welcome to Sailing in the Mediterranean and Beyond podcast. I'm your host. My name is Franz. Welcome back to Sailing in the Mediterranean and Beyond. I have a summer, or I should say a winter sailing schedule to report on. In addition, we're going to be having our second interview with Andrew Vick on his sails around Sicily down to Tunisia and back up doing a full circumnavigation of Sicily. This is going to be the second of three interviews with Andrew. We still have to do the third interview. It's still on my schedule to do the third interview because when I get on the phone or get on Skype with Andrew, we just go into so much detail that it's hard to get it all into an hour podcast. As I've said before, I had problems after I crossed the Atlantic last year with sciatica pain, which was brought on by a cyst in my back between the vertebrae of L4 and L5. I went in for surgery to eliminate the cyst and basically have a fusion of L4 and L5. That was done on October 30th. I was told I could not go sailing for a minimum of six months after that. So that determined when my next sailing season was going to be occurring. After one month, I had improved so much that they said, basically, go sailing whenever you want to. I'm still going to be delaying it after three months, but I do plan on going sailing again starting in March. Like I do with all my summer sail schedules, I start working with it on Google Earth and determining what are the critical times that I can be away and when the different crews are going to be joining me. What determined this, I guess, winter, I'm so used to saying summer, but this winter's, or I should say spring sailing season, is when my wife and family could join me, and they will join me at the very last scheduled leg of this trip, which will go from St. Martin to Puerto Rico. But I might have some openings. I have so many different crews this winter because the goal is to bring the boat from Trinidad up to Puerto Rico, that there may be some openings. And I always like sailing with new people, and I particularly enjoy sailing with people that listen to this podcast. I've done it several times, and many times those people that I've sailed with, those individuals that I've sailed with, have become lifelong friends. So I'm going to read off what the schedule is right now, and if you have an interest in perhaps joining me on the leg, write me, and I'll let you know if there's an opening. I've sent out invitations to quite a few people, and I'm hearing back from them little by little. There may or may not be availability if you write, but at least I can put you on the list for a possible future adventure. My first leg of the trip is going to be from Trinidad up to Grenada, and I have one definite crew member on that leg. I am looking for one additional crew member. Now this first crew always gets more time than the other crews do because we have some work to do to get the boat in the water. The boat is out on the hard in Trinidad right now and we have to do some work 
to put it in the water. Not a lot this year, but a few chores to get it ready for going sailing. We also have to do some provisioning and some odds and ends. So this first crew will be on the boat a total of 13 days from the time you arrive in Trinidad until we let you go in Grenada 13 days later. The the crew arrives on the 16th of March and will depart out of Grenada on the 28th of March. We may have an overnight sail. We have one sail that is 99 miles long, basically 100 miles long, which is usually about a 24-hour sail. And that would be the the hop from Trinidad back to Grenada. And we will be looking for a weather window to do that. So it really will depend on what the weather forecast is when we make that hop. We don't want to do it with the wind in our nose. When I took the boat back from Grenada to Trinidad last year, Neil joined me on that leg. And the wind had been forecast to be a broad reach all the way. And it turned out to be a beat. And it was cold and wet and miserable. So we'll be looking for a weather window to do that leg. The next crew joins me in Grenada. And this one is currently fully open. I don't have any crew members for this one. And they will join me on May 30th in Grenada. And we will be taking a fairly leisurely 93-mile run up to San Vicente and the Grenadines. And they will depart on April 6th. So that's a total of eight days. The first crew was 13 days. The second crew was eight days. The next crew from San Vicente and the Grenadines up to Martinique is already full. The next crew from Martinique to Guadalupe is currently open. And that's a total of eight days as well on that crew. That crew would join me in Martinique on April 26th and depart from Guadalupe on May 3rd. That's about a 130-mile trip overall, so not very many miles on every day. The next crew I don't have filled up either, and that's Guadalupe to Antigua. The Guadalupe crew would join me on May 5th and depart on May 12th. That's eight days as well, and it's about 104 miles. And the last crew that I have available would be from Antigua up to San Martin. St. Martin. And there's the Dutch side and the French side, and we plan on sailing to the French side. That crew would join me in Antigua on May 15th and depart from St. Martin or San Martin. I'm not sure if it's St. or San Martin on May 24th. That is a total of, actually, I think 10 days, and that's 144 miles. So if you have an interest in possibly joining me on any of those legs, I will fill up the legs as people commit, but you can write me at franz1 at medsailor.com if you have an interest. All right, now let's get on to the interview with Andrew Vick. This is part two of my interview with Andrew Vick, and it's exactly the same day. We're just continuing this on a different podcast. All right, so Andrew, the last uh, the last podcast, you were talking about leaving Monastir and driving out in the country, and you were talking about stopping by these spits that were basically feeding you. Now, you didn't eat there, but they basically were 
butchering the animal and grilling it pretty much at the same location. And this is on your way inland when you're doing some inland travel in Tunisia, right? Yeah, yeah, we saw this on the road. I mean, boy, that's quite the assembly line, just in a short space. Yeah, the live pen, the carcass, and then the grill. <laughs> I just wonder what the live sheep are thinking, if they're kind of realizing what their fate is going to be. <laughs> so, but like I said, things, things we don't see in the West, you know? Yeah, yeah. So how many days of inland travel did you do? A couple days? Did you keep the car a couple days? You know, we rented that car just for, for just for the full day. You know, it was drove around and yeah, I mean, and I would easily go back to uh, to Tunisia and drive around. I mean, it's a lot to see. It's easy to navigate around. It's it's safe. So I would I would totally go back. So you didn't feel unsafe at all? No, never, never felt unsafe. No. All right. Okay. So you leave the marina and head up to another marina, it looks like. Yeah, so Monastir. So we spent three nights in Monastir. And I tell you, this apprehension about being in, in Africa, I mean, Monastir is, is it's a great little marina. So they, you see this in other places where they someone will purposely build a marina, like a pleasure yacht harbor with the, you know, tourist boats and things and a nice you know, hotels and restaurants and cafes around it. So it's a great setup. You know, it was, it was super nice. Um, you know, the locals like to come in and look at the boats and nice restaurants, cheap too. Oh, actually, cheap earthing. Check this out. We're used to what it costs to, to, to moor in the med. This cost me 17 U.S. dollars a night to, with unlimited power and electricity. Hmm. Was, was the per night price in the summer. I mean, imagine that it's a, a steal. This is like nothing compared. To, we're, we're spending, you know, what, 60, 70, 80 euros a night, you know, mm-hmm. in Italy and around elsewhere. Yeah. So. so you, so is this the other marina you're talking about? The one past Monastir? What's the name of this one here? But it looks like a very well-protected marina. Yeah, yeah no, that was, that was still Mon- Monastir was the cheapest. So it okay. stayed in three different marinas. So, so we left Monastir uh, mm-hmm. for a few nights. And, uh, and here's this crazy thing. You got to tell them the day before you want to transit. Oh, so okay. So this is really restrictive. Uh, you, yeah, you got to tell them before you go. You got you to check in at each port, not the full check-in. Of course, when we first entered Monastir, we were checking in from Europe. Um, but you have to go through a process every time you change ports. So, so that part is annoying, but I read up on all this. I was all prepared that this was going to be part of the experience. So that was fine. Uh, you, you don't really anchor. There aren't really any anchorages. Um, and that's... It, I guess it's frowned upon to, to anchor. They don't really like you to anchor. They want to kind of know where you are, what you're doing. So, but we sailed out, had a really nice downwind ride. The winds had built up. Um, and we got up to Hamamet, which is near the, the town of Sousse. So, and another purpose-built little marina development, you know, beautiful marina uh, surrounded by, yeah, restaurants, cafes, even an amusement park. So that was yeah, that was that was great. Um, not quite seventeen dollars a night, uh, but something reasonable, probably on the long, along the lines of thirty or forty U.S. dollars per night, which again is you know, half of what we usually find in the med mm-hmm, for mm-hmm. our boats. Well, you, you have your uh, eight meter boat, I guess, on paper, so I think you usually get get away with uh, the lower tariffs. As long as they're not hauling me out of the water, I think in marinas they just they don't even come down to look at. It. I just take my papers up to the up to the office and they say oh 28 feet okay here you go so mm-hmm. uh 
But, you know, if I were caught, they'd say, oh, no, 36 feet, 37 feet. So, but I seem to get away with 28 feet pretty often. So, <laughs> yeah, know, often, yeah. often for them, it's whatever shows on paper. Mm-hmm. Although, if you say you're a, well, I don't volunteer anything. I don't volunteer anything. I just let them look at the paper. <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah. So, so Hamamet. That was, yeah, that was a stop two in uh, in Tunisia. Yeah, again, super nice spot, close to Sousse. So we took a taxi down to Sousse, which has this really beautiful. They call it a Medina. It's basically a walled-in old town, and and all this history, the Moors and the Romans and the Christians and uh, everyone who's been through. You know this this part of, of the world. It's uh, the history is fantastic, um, and yeah, you walk around these. And I tell you, being American, we really stood out. You know, as you, you know, we were very. You know, I'm blonde. My 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 one crew was blonde. I mean, a couple of blonde guys walking around. I mean, they we stood out in every place we went to, um, and yeah, you know, a lot of shy little giggles. Uh, you know, people kind of looking. You know, giggling all in, in a friendly way, right? But everyone was curious, and anyone who could speak English, you know, wanted it. Oh, what are you guys doing here? So that was a nice treat, because you know, I imagine in Croatia, Montenegro, decades ago, you might or Albania, you might have experienced that, but that's that doesn't happen anymore anywhere in Europe. So, so it was kind of neat, feeling like you were really like somewhere, you know, off the beaten path. So, uh, yeah, so Hamamet. Um, so I'm looking at your track into Hamamet, and I see a bunch of squiggles right near the entrance on the left-hand side of, as you're going in. Did you have to pull up there and register? Is that what that's all about there? That is what that's all about. Yeah, that, that was, again, um, yeah, kind of you're kind of checking in and checking out of, of each place. You, it's, uh, <laughs> you know, and actually, I've made a little mistake here. Uh, Hummet was the third stop. Uh, there was also a second stop called, um, I don't remember what the, the Yeah, I, I looked at was. that one, and then I just came up to this one because then I saw this was Hummet. So we just continue on. Don't worry about it. Obviously, that was not that memorable at the other one. So that's okay. <laughs> They're all pretty similar. The, mm-hmm. the one in the middle, yeah, El Kantawi, only memorable thing there—they had a, a proper hard rock cafe, actually, a real, official hard rock cafe. <laughs> so, yeah. So what? Yeah. So Hamamet. Uh, yeah, that was a that was a cool stop. You know, there's this old, there's this old weathered uh, English guy who's kind of the, the the guy on site. He can like make anything happen for you. So, uh, so, and, and he's mentioned a lot when you read up on Hamamet. He's been kind of there for decades, and he'll. He'll help organize all kinds of boat work, you know. You know, Tunisia in general is a place where uh, it's a totally reasonable spot to put a boat for, for the winter. You know, people who are, you know, full-time cruisers, um, I, re- I would recommend it. I think Monastir, I think I'd like better than Hamamet, but those two are kind of two of the main, you know, winter over spots for Mediterranean sailors. Yeah, I talked to a guy that did winter his boat down there during covid and uh, he was working on his boat during COVID down there, I'm trying to remember his name. But he's been on the podcast. I interviewed him. I saw him again when I was in Cape Verde and interviewed him. And, uh, yeah, he actually did some YouTube videos of him on the hard in, in Tunisia working on his boat during the, during the COVID nonsense. And, mm-hmm. uh, but, yeah, I had actually considered going down to Tunisia uh, to start my, um, you know, time over again, my with my boat 
but I never did. I ended up uh, being able to do it in uh, Turkey. Tur- that's why I was in Turkey for so many years is because it was out of the EU and I could go there and start the time clock over again so easily. And then come out and spend the summer sailing Greece, which was which was great with me. And in Croatia, we could head down to uh, Montenegro and start it over again, too. So that was why Croatia was good for me. But, yeah, Tunisia was someplace I considered, but I never did get down there. Yeah. Uh, anyway, anyone listening who's ever thought of it, uh, yeah, yeah, I would have no hesitation. Um, you know, definitely look into the bureaucracy. There's a limit to how long a, a person can be there, but... But yeah, plenty of cruisers are wintering over down there. Um, and again, yeah, like uh, Monastir, I think was a bit better. Hamamet was was cool, but it, it's weird. Hamamet had it was probably a boom time a couple decades ago. But half the development around the marina is basically abandoned. Hmm. Just these, you could tell it was pretty thriving probably a while back. But yeah, it's it's yeah, it's it seen better days. Then you had one more stop before you headed out there, didn't you? Farther up, and I'm I'm zooming in on this harbor. What's the name of this one? Calibia. Calibia. Okay. Yeah. Okay. We had a beautiful sail. You see how we hugged the coast. Mm-hmm. Um, this is all under sail. We sailed that entire distance from Hamamet to Calibia, some 40-something miles. We had an offshore breeze. Started off as pretty much a nice beam reach. We're just going along. I mean, I'm getting the boat. You know, we're sustaining like seven and a half knots at times of water speed. You're and, barely uh, out, of the, out of the breakers, it looks like. You're just hugging almost the breakers, it looks like this. Yeah, we're still well, well with the offshore breeze, and we're trying to you know keep the water as flat as, as flat as possible, and you know it's a, you know, five <laughs> seven meter deep water. It's nice and uh, yeah, nice turquoise look. It was it was fun. It was a great sail. The wind did clock a little more around, so the last couple hours was more of a beat. And uh, <laughs> and it's funny what twenty five thirty knots of wind can do in only like a mile or two of fetch. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, yeah we, were, <laughs> we were getting wet. We pull into Calibia, you know, you read all this stuff, Natalie, oh, yeah, sailboats could tie up here or something you can check out. And we pulled in there. There was nowhere for any sailboat to, to, to tie up. And we were in there. We're kind of floating around. It's windy, so it's kind of annoying. And then there's some there's some officials kind of wandering around, but they kind of look at us. They don't really acknowledge us or anything. And you know I mean? We're a U.S. flag, funky old boat. Like, you know, you imagine as, as strict as Tunisians are, you know, they're going to yeah, anyway, so we finally tie up. We tell them that we intend to, to leave then the next morning for Italy. And, uh, and they say, well, in the end, we had to go out and anchor. Um, oh, really? So you, so you did go out and anchor then, huh? We did, yeah. We had to. Okay. Uh, went out and anchored, um, which was fine. It was a comfortable anchorage. It was super shallow, you know, three meters deep, wind blowing from from land. So, uh, so that was fine. And we actually took the dinghy into shore we wanted to check the place out it was things felt a little sketchy we were going in the dark through the shipyard through the customs office <laughs> and wondering if we we're even allowed to but uh it, it all worked out um and that, that was definitely the scruffiest of the towns but still had a good energy it was a saturday night uh there were cafes and people kind of weird you didn't see i haven't been in muslim countries very much you didn't see any adult women you didn't see any girls say between like 18 and 60 you saw a lot of a lot of places where guys were smoking their hookah, and it was just complete guys in these cafes, hundred chairs. You just didn't see any sort of adult women. So I suppose they're I don't know what they're doing. They're with the kids, or they're just supposed to stay in at night. Uh, I don't know, but a very you know traditional you know small town Muslim areas. So it was 
that was it was very noticeable anyway it, uh, and you saw you saw teenagers you know the girls went around and, and they weren't wearing hijabs you know they were they were dressing very western um but from 18 and up you didn't really see see too many females hmm. yeah so. yeah yeah the muslim countries are a little different there i've i was sitting on a dolmish one time taking a boat taking a dolmish from antalya down to my boat in i think it was finicky and these dolmishes are basically just minivans uh, and I was sitting next to a woman and talking to her. She was she spoke good English. She was from Istanbul. She wasn't wearing any traditional uh, clothes. And uh, the, the bus driver basically comes back and makes me sit next to a man and puts a woman where I was sitting so I didn't talk to her any longer anymore. So just different customs, I guess. I guess I was being too, breaking their taboos and having a conversation with her. But uh, anyway, that that's that's part of the muslim culture i think yeah different world right i mean that's why we travel and experience these things and uh boy i do remember in hamamet there was a a man and woman probably middle-aged uh sitting talking to each other in a darker spot and and they were actually interrogated by the police it seemed like the police were wondering okay what's your relation are you married or you know why are you talking to each other so uh, very very different very different so so Calibia, yeah, so um, just we're anchored out, got into town for the night, just a, you know, one last look at Tunisia. Um, was the, then when we woke up... Was the clear-out process uh, more difficult than the clear-in process, or was it pretty straightforward? It was straightforward. We were stressing because you're not allowed to take any money out of the country, so we were kind of desperate for a place. We probably had, a, I don't know, between us a couple hundred bucks still in Tunisian money. And part of being on land in Calibri was to find an exchange office, which there are usually plenty of. But that town, I guess, is so off the tourist radar, they didn't, they didn't have any. So we were nervous that we were going to have to you know, kind of hand over our money on the way out. But, but that morning, we woke up at anchor. Actually, first thing, before we were, two kids swam out, two teenage boys swam out and to check us out. Because I guess we were kind of novel to see a boat anchored where we were. So, and since they'd swum out, it's thousand feet or something I, I, I said well you can climb up on the swim platform in the back and then hang out for a bit take a rest so, so they did but they were nice kids they were probably 14 or something um you know we didn't have any language in common um i think i gave them a banana actually i had one banana i gave them a banana to share which they totally accepted and uh but they were cool we said hey you know we're leaving now and they, they happily jumped off they, they, they weren't asking for a ride to italy or anything like that <laughs> okay so and we pulled back to the commercial port. Uh, where are we going to tie up? And finally, I'm like, come on. I'm like, they said, I can't tie up. Like, I said, do you have this travel lift? You know, the, whatever you call the, the little bay for the travel lift. I said, can't we just tie up there? Said, okay, tie up there. So, okay. See, yeah, I see you these. pulling right in there. So that's, so that's where you were able to tie up right there, that bay for the travel lift. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then, these, you know, there are these fishermen all kind of right there. And, uh, you know, the customs guy said, okay, well, lock your boat up and take all your papers up to the office. So they were super nice. You know, I don't think they'd handled too many checkouts before um, or often. So but they were nice and they didn't even ask about the money. So. Okay. Okay. Well, that's good. So then you, now the, this was how early in the morning then that you were able yeah, to we finally were good to clear go out? About 11, okay. 11 a.m., I think. We okay. were finally good to go. And so you head on out then, huh? And then from there, you know, it's only 40-something miles to Pantelleria, which is uh, an Italian island. Okay. So that's how close, uh, you know, Europe and Africa really are. I guess that's the closest spot or 
but yeah, beautiful sail. Um, I think broad reach sail all the way, sail the entire distance. Got made good times at Pantelleria. Um, super cool island. So now we're back in Italy. Um, the, the Italians, we've always tied there. They're pretty chill about uh, about tracking. We were boarded. Oh boy, now I remember as we were approaching Pantelleria, the uh, finance guardians came up. They saw us from afar, and they were bashing up through the waves to try and catch up with us. They were down, downwind and down wave of us. I saw they were really bashing to come uh, to come up to us, and then they came alongside while we we're sailing. We're in, this is the you know, seas are running pretty big, and we were, were in full sail mode. But they got us on the radio, and they said, "Yeah, once you get in the breakwater in Pantelleria, we're gonna, you know, we'll, we'll do a boarding." So, okay, so, so that I was fine. See you squiggling around in here in the harbor is. Is so? Did they? Ha- did you tie up and then, uh, and then have them board you? Then is that what happened? No, no, we didn't actually tie up. We swiggled around and we we basically attached to them. Okay, but we were but but they weren't attached to anything. So we were just kind of floating together um, while we were attached to them. All right, yeah, that so. that happened to me in Greece one time. So where I just tied off to the customs boat and did the nonsense that they wanted. So, yeah, mm-hmm. but it, it was, yeah, and I get it. They're patrolling, you know, they're patrolling the southern Schengen, the Schengen's own border, the southern EU border. So that's in this one. So I get it. Yeah. So, but well, yeah, now, now uh, you'd pretty... never clicked, you never checked out of the Schengen. And so, did you have to do anything coming back into the Schengen? Did you even talk about it? What did you do? Well, the finance people, they, uh, they, they, they weren't too concerned. They didn't really give us any instructions. They were, they were mostly worried that we were either taking humans or contraband. So, um, but we were there in Pantelleri uh, for three nights, um, and the Coast Guard's office was was right there. I mean, we 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 rafted up to another boat, like right in front of the Coast Guard office. And uh, anyhow, they're pretty relaxed. I think it was like day three. I finally popped in. I said, "Hey, you know, I, I've been here a little bit now, but I think it's time I check in." And they were totally fine <laughs> about that. They didn't mind that I'd been there a little bit. Um, and then I checked the boat in. So. And they said, well, you'll have to get your uh, passport stamps from the police uh, tomorrow, you know, a mile across town. So then they figured, well, since I never actually checked out of Schengen, maybe I'll just skip that step. So, okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you can tell I'm not too big on uh, on the paperwork thing. Well, and the but, nice thing is the Italians aren't big on that either. So, I mean, they're sort of right. lackadaisical on the whole thing as, as well. So had yeah. you been in... Uh, a lot of other places, they might have been a lot more strict, like Croatia or some of those other places. But yeah. Oh, for sure. Croatia, Montenegro, you don't mess around there. That, that's, that's definitely not the place you mess around. Yeah. But, you know, you and I have entered Italy enough times where you can't even find the place to check in. They don't even want to fill out the paperwork for you. It's like, <laughs> leave me alone. Don't bother with me. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. They don't want to fill out the paperwork. It's just more work on their part, and they don't get paid anything for it, so they don't want to fill it out. <laughs> so at least that was my experience when I cleared into to Italy the first time. So mm-hmm. Exactly. So so Pantelleria, really fantastic island. We took a car for two days, and we just scoured around that island. We, we checked out everything. There's a, you know, it's also volcanic. There's a you know, volcano, uh, you know, like a volcanic peak on the top. Um, just the views, the terrain, lava everywhere. It's just, I think my buddy called it kind of the, the Hawaii of the Mediterranean. He felt like like a, a mini Maui or something like that. So not overrun so, with uh, migrants then? 
Not at all. I'm telling you, yeah, we had no sense that there was any migrant issue at all. No. Not at all. Yeah. So, but, but cool place. And uh, I guess it's become kind of popular, like, like the posh people from Milan. I think they like to come down here. They find it kind of exotic. The architecture is a bit more of this kind of cube-shaped architecture that maybe you could relate more to, you know, you know Tunisia or even Malta had like a lot of that cube-shaped um, stuff. But uh, just great spot. And we're that kind of early season. We're still in June. This is still this is going to be, I guess, late June. And um, yeah, it's not too crowded yet. It's yeah, fantastic place. So it's a decent sized island. It looks like. Let's see. Let's, let's do a quick measurement uh, from one side as the crow flies to the other side. Yeah, it's shaped about, like a bean. Yeah, about seven miles nautical miles across straight as the crow flies. So that's going to be. 40 or 15 miles driving on those roads, probably, because <laughs> I know how windy those roads can be. But, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Looks like a never been there. Might be someplace to put on my list. Uh, it's, it's super cool. Super cool. So I'll tell you, though, at this point, uh, so I, I've changed from this sort of, you know, Croatia, like kind of all the little island hopping, the cute little bays everywhere. The sail I've done so far, and actually, we pulled into this island. We, a lot of places I've been now, whether you're from Catania, Syracuse, Malta, um, you don't spend a lot of time with the boat. You kind of you, you kind of park the boat, and then you're you're exploring by other means. You're going by car. You're, you're you know, and you don't really spend much time. Though you leave the boat in the morning, you come back in the evening. But the boat somehow in this kind of cruising becomes a much less integral part of the experience. So in Croatia, you pull into this bay, you tie your stern lines to, to the shore, you're paddle boarding, you're swimming, and, and and you're exploring. But the boat is a bigger part of it. The boat is more of a base. So like Pantelleria, I could have had the same experience flying in. You know, and same with Tunisia. So so if you want to compare, you know, all those years I was in Croatia, you know, that's, yeah, it's... Yeah, it's it's still amazing, but but I I think I prefer when the boat is a is a is 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 a more important part of it. Like the boat is your really your base. Yeah, yeah. So not just a place to sleep, right? It's, it's a place you you're swimming from. You know, you're uh, yeah, you're doing a lot of anchoring and nautical. You know, kind of you know, yeah, nautical things. You know, you're paddle boarding. So so, but still amazing places i've seen and and you know having you know doing all this by boat has been and the sailing's been amazing i tell you since we left uh linosa you know on the way to tunisia we haven't used a motor at all we have basically sailed this entire stretch most of it comfortably well that's so rare in the mediterranean because it's usually too much wind or not enough wind so so you had a unique experience here that <laughs> at least that's been my experience for the most part in the Mediterranean, with a few a, f- a few exceptions, but it sounds like you had a great summer of sailing then. I was lucky. Well, this this stretch here was was just lucky, just and, and these were some pretty big distances we were covering, right? So, I mean, each each leg has been like you know forty plus miles. Now, even the leg now, so Pantelleria back to mainland Sicily, I think that's even like a sixty plus mile leg. We were up at either sunrise or even slightly before. I think we got up at sunrise, and we had a I don't know sixty mile. Uh, little sail, and again, all under sail, all the way. I think we even flew our. I got an Ace Metric Spinnaker, which is 
fun to put up sometimes, especially when you got crew who's, you know, who's pretty good at sailing. So, yeah, so got back to mainland Sicily after, you know, pretty, pretty long, fun sail to uh, Marzana del Valle. Yeah, I'm zooming uh, in on this. Yeah, it's looks like a very well protected harbor then. Yeah, great. Great marina, great harbor. Uh, the town is really cool, you know, off the beaten path. I mean, and still, you know, we're not seeing, you're not seeing any other tourists. Everyone there is Italian. So, and we picked it over, I guess, Marsala is the other option. But I don't know, just doing, that's a little town just to the west. But I'm glad with this choice. You know, it's awesome in Navali now. It's almost too much information. You can you spend so much time reading and, and processing. Um, but Navali was super helpful and said, eh, is this, a, this is a good spot or it's not a good spot. If it's a long walk to town, any anytime it says, yeah, it's a the harbor's nice, but it's really far into town. I'll probably skip the place. You know, I don't want to be hoofing it. You know, come in for a night, and then you know the town is that far away. So, so, so was this? So you had to do. It looks to me like it's quite a walk to get into town from the. Well, a, a, a medium walk to get into town from the from the the anchorage here, not the anchorage, the the marina there. Yeah, no, the, I was fine with this. It was. Yeah, what down the pontoon across there, five minutes, and then you're kind of right in it. So, no, that was so that was super. Yeah, cool town. And these places are starting to pick up. You know, August they're all going to be like crazy, insane, full of people. But it's fun to see it now, and it's you know kind of tour season is starting. You know, summer season, so people are out and about enjoying the, the warm nights. Now, let me ask you a question, just a logistical question. You got a crew of three on board. What is your water situation? Are you just picking up bottled water when you go places and just hauling it back to the boat, or are you filtering it on board? What are you doing there? Yeah, good question. I mean, for for showering and cooking, we have the water tank. So I don't have a whole lot of, I think, I may only have about 80 gallons of water storage on the boat. Um, And then we do buy bottled water for drinking. I, I don't. I remember one time I pulled into Brindisi, Brindisi in Italy, and I filled the tap water into a clear jug, and it was kind of—it wasn't clear the water. It was a little yellow brownish, and uh, you know, Croatia. I totally trust the water on the mainland in Croatia. I was just drinking that straight from the tap. Um, but here in Italy, yeah, it's lugging, lugging bottled water from the store. Yeah, yeah. The, okay. Every shopping run is lugging. Yeah, yeah lugging a- drinking water. Yeah, that's always a big burden. The beast, of, that's always a heavy load when you're hauling water back to the boat. So. It became, you know, we'll get, we'll get to this, but it got pretty hot a couple of weeks later than this. And what I really found out is the, the best thing about having a, I don't have a water maker. Um, I don't think you do either. Um, but but the water maker, what I realized, it, the main benefit is that you can you can drink water. It's not to, you know, you're, yeah, it's nice that you can shower all the time, but... Um, but so you don't have to carry and lug water from a shop to your boat. I think that must be probably the that's main the benefit big, that's of the a big water benefit. Maker. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and you've got water when you don't necessarily wouldn't necessarily be able to get water other places. So I can see the advantage. I'd like to have a water maker if my boat was big enough to have a water maker on it, but I don't. So I just work around it. You know. Yeah, that's right. It's like where do you put all the gear? You know, that membrane is long, and yeah. So, so super nice stop in Marzana del Valle, and then we shot up to a place that 
you know, people have heard of the Aeolian Islands off the East Coast, but they have the Egadi Islands off the West Coast of Sicily, which is a cluster of you know three main islands called the Favignana, Maritimo, and uh, I forget the third one because we didn't stop there. But um, another beautiful sail took us around uh, and uh, straight to Favignana into this incredible anchorage called uh, Calarosa, I think. This vast, shallow, turquoise, like beautiful anchorage. Uh, and it was fantastic. Beautiful. And that's on the island of Favignana. Yeah. yeah, I'm looking at that. It's wide open to the north, but as long as the winds are coming from other directions, it looks like it's pretty well protected. Yeah, and you can, just on Google Earth, even you can see the the, the turquoise, turquoise. Yeah, yeah. The vast turquoise area here, and and luckily the wind was blowing from a cooperative direction, so we didn't have. But we did have a little swell anyway. Here's the thing. I mean, there's I think there's 800 miles of fetch from here all the way up to <laughs> up to Genoa. I mean, this is these are not. These are not protected anchorages. No, you know? this not is, at all. No, this is it's not to what, open. Not what you're used to, anyway. So, yeah, right, right, yeah, and all these, you know, and everything I'm comparing to is, is Croatia. So, yeah, so definitely missing the, uh, you know, the all weather anchorage or the, you know. So again, it's looking at the swell forecast. We did have a little swell. I mean, you're always if you have that many hundreds. I mean, if the wind's blowing anywhere in that open fetch for hundreds of miles, I mean, that swell may make it to you. So. We actually deployed a stern anchor. First time I ever did. I, I broke out our uh, sort of backup anchor, a little spare Danforth I have, and we actually deployed that uh, off our stern just to keep us lined up with the waves, and it worked super well. So we were we were plenty comfortable. Yeah, it does doesn't make much wave to make your boats go side to side, right? But if you if you get that stern anchor out, point her right into the swell direction, perpendicular, you know, it's 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 unnoticeable almost. You hobby horse just slightly, but fine yeah i've done it a couple times don't do it very often but i have a little fortress anchor which uh which is what maybe a 12 or 13 pound anchor that works works perfect for that and it holds like crazy so that's that's what i use for it yeah so so we had to start anchor out so that was cool so yeah beautiful anchor there's you can explore on land and my, my crew in the evening they went into a little uh, exploration there was these openings in the cliff big cliff face all around us. So they walked in, they walked in like a thousand feet. There's an old quarry, little, little train tracks running through the quarry for the little carts that they were you know, taking in and out. And you just go wander in there and get lost inside the hill. <laughs> so and this cool. is on that first anchorage you're talking about then, huh? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So cool. So, so that was, yeah, amazing spot. Uh, then we sailed to the first island out, which is called Maritimo. And, um, that a cute little town. So there we had actually a proper pontoon uh, right off the town. Uh, I mean, just the coziest, everything white. All these, I guess there's parts of Greece that are like that too, but all the buildings painted white, just the cutest little spot. Um, big pontoon. I mean, they were really, they were set up for August, but there was no problem. The nice thing here, it's, you know, sailing a little early in the season. I mean, there, we, we always had a spot. We never, no one ever said, oh, we're full. <laughs> So I'm looking at this island. It looks like you stopped three different places on this island. And this is the middle one is, this is the one with the pontoons. Did you anchor the other two places? Or What like... we did, we spent, we spent one night on the middle. Okay. Uh-huh. Where the pontoon and the town are. On our way out, it was recommended by the locals that we go up a little further north, just a couple of miles, and there was a place to anchor, and you could climb up to the top of this um, 
there's some kind of fortress up on the top of a cliff. Okay. Probably a good 300 feet, 400 feet up. So, so we stopped just for a few hours there. Okay, um, so that's just, not an overnight. That was just a day stop then. Right, yeah. Okay. That little green thing on my Google Earth file, that anytime you stop more than two hours, I think it, it'll plunk a green thing down. Ah, okay, okay. So, but that was a beautiful hike. Um, explored around, swam. The other thing, jellyfish. Uh, I'm going to complain more about this part of the med now. Croatia doesn't have jellyfish. But uh, here, every time you get in the water, you're pretty wary. You're kind of looking around and bring the snorkel mass. You can see. So, because there are definitely issues with jellyfish. I didn't get stung at all, but could have if I hadn't been, you know, paying attention. Yeah, I never saw any jellyfish in um, in the Croatia area. The one place that I saw a lot of jellyfish was along the coast of Spain, and then also in uh, the Sea of Marmara, all over the place in the Sea of Marmara. But they weren't stinging jellyfish. They were just these big blobs floating around. Uh, mm-hmm. But where I did get stung was on the north coast of uh, Ibiza when I pulled into a little harbor. They were all over the place. I jumped. I just didn't even look. I just jumped in the water, and suddenly I'm getting stung. I get out as fast as I can. So... <laughs> But yeah, so you're seeing them here then, okay? I've, yeah, most most of these places. I mean, these little—they're uh, purple. They're kind of fist-sized purple with the little stringies hanging off of them. Do they have little sails? Are they Portuguese men of wars? Mm, no, no, they're just purple, like size of a baseball maybe or a softball. Yeah. So yeah, so uh, that was Maritimo super spot. And then we actually sailed back to Favignana, and we uh, we tied up in the main town. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I'm zooming in on that, too, now. Looks like a nice marina you stayed at there, too, then. Yeah, you would think it's nice, but here here we had a problem with this well, so we tied up on the key, we, and we asked a lot of people, all the locals, say, hey, you know, there's this kind of wind and swell building. Are we going to be protected in this spot? And and people said, yeah, that's a good spot for this wind direction, but it wasn't. That was probably the worst night I've ever been tied up to a key. We were bobbing and moving. We had such a big spider web of lines going. It was just kind of keep us, keep us safe, basically, and keep. Uh, it was it was horrible. So you, it looks to me like you were in two spots in this key and this is this little marina, is and this is a really tiny marina. So you're on one spot and then you move to another spot. It looks like then. Yeah, the first night we were in that more outer spot, mm-hmm. and boy, we even on that. My Google Earth image shows a lot of swell actually coming in. Yeah, yeah, I we can see were, that. yeah, we were just dancing around, and then somehow we talked to this couple uh, that night. We're out at some bars, and while the boat was bashing around, and we were up at some bars and talked to this couple. And he was running a little charter operation. He, said, oh, he thought the slip next to his was was open. And then I, the next night, that we moved around inside, which was just a game changer. Ah, oh, so. Yeah, I can see it's, but, it looks it, on Google Earth. It looks flat right there at that exact spot. Mm-hmm. It looks like the water flattens out there. So. Yeah, so and I was mad. I mean, I, I was angry that the guys who charge us eighty euros, by the way, for the privilege of, of being on that key, bashing around all night. I said, "You got to tell people. You 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 know the conditions here. You need to tell people, you know what to expect, because there isn't a possibility to anchor." And of course, anchoring would have been kind of pretty uncomfortable that night, too, but at least safer. So for the boat's sake, yeah. So I, I gave him a hard time. I said, no, you got you to gotta tell people. Be, be a good person. So, yeah. 
So, but awesome little town. It's funny. We pulled in. This is a Saturday. We, we kind of time things like we know it's going to be a little more festive in these towns. So it was Saturday. So we you know, kind of adjusted the program to, to tie up to fun places on Saturdays and anchorages on other days. But, but when we pulled in, their version of a gay pride parade was just starting, which was pretty amusing. Uh, you know, coming from San Francisco, I, I, I don't think I've seen more than one or two of the pride parades we do here. But the but the fact it was happening there, it's okay. This is this is <laughs> this could be fun. <laughs> so there's basically music and people kind of driving through the streets with this uh, music and some go-go dancers and all this. So a couple of a uh, couple of uh, cross-dressers. Uh, yeah. What do you call them? Drag queen. Drag queen. Okay. Yeah. Drag, it was drag it was queens. fun. It was all good, right. Good clean fun. Yeah. So. so then you have another long hop. It looks like. On over to the main part of Sicily again, into a big harbor there. What's the name of this place? Zapani. Zapani, okay. Trapani, commercial harbor, yeah. it looks like. A big commercial harbor. Big commercial harbor, yeah. Something on the lines of Catania with a few kind of uh, you know, pleasure boat pontoons buried way in there. So didn't expect much out of the stop. I thought this, I mean, there's an airport here in Trapani. There's, but the town was actually pretty cool. Did you yeah, change crew, crew here? Is this one of the reasons you went there? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I had a crew change, and that's not the only. The other reason it was it was pretty convenient. It was kind of kind of right there, kind of part part of the flow of the route. So, so the fact that it had an airport and yeah, ended up being a pretty cool place too. So they have a gondola actually, like a ski lift style gondola, taking you up to this hilltop town, uh, way up on the hill, which was kind of neat to do. So classic wall town, way up on the top. That you take a, a gondola to. Eurice, E-R-I-C-E, uh-huh. is that it? Okay, yeah, exactly. I'm looking at that, yeah. Yeah, I can see the gondola, the track of the gondola. It looks like it'd be a fun ride. Super cool ride, yeah, super cool. So, so that was the, the main attraction there. Yeah, change crew. Um, yeah, super nice harbor, you know, I don't know, he gave me, when it came time to pay the bill, he just cut the price in half, like, just for, for no reason, I didn't even ask. Oh, you've been here too nice. We'll just charge you this. So that was nice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So now and you're making the way. Yeah, now you're going around the. Now you're hitting the north side of Sicily, pretty close here now, huh? Yeah, and the scenery is getting amazing. The the, the mountains and everything is it's, it's starting to get really stunning. So took an anchorage uh, for the night, which wasn't so good. We were we were pretty uncomfortable. There was a swell. Swell coming in. Um, we were trying to get the stern anchor down, but it, we just couldn't quite get it right because you need to kind of pay out more of your front road and then kind of back up to where your stern anchor should be and then kind of balance in between. And we just weren't doing it. We were just too on board at that time. And it was, we, we, we weren't succeeding. So, so we had a, a bit of a rolly night. Okay. So that's in Cape. Calete San Margarita, it looks like, is the name of that place, that harbor. Yeah. And then you hop around right at the very north and come down to a, a little harbor just, to, just just down from the north of the island, then, the tip of the island then. This is Capo San Lovito or something like that. Um, beautiful beach town. Uh, I mean, they have this just gorgeous beach, turquoise water, the little harbor kind of tucked in. Uh, and there's a big mountain. You don't see it on Google Earth so well unless you maybe um, zoom way in and the, turn around. Then, huh? Yeah. 
do the whole tilt and zoom thing, but there's a massive, massive mountain, probably 2,500 foot, you know, 800 meter tall mountain right there at the backdrop. So it's a super stunning place. So we, we stayed, we stayed two nights there, just it was nice, nice pontoon, just, you know, some little bit of party going on in the town. So we were, the, the, the main bar in town is called the Drinkeria, which is... The Drinkeria, huh? <laughs> yeah. You know what goes on there. Yep, yep. So, so uh, yeah, fun, lively, just super picturesque place, San Vito Lo Capo. Um, went around that little tip down into the... Uh, this is known as the Gulf of something, the Gulf of Castellamare or something like that. And then, uh, yeah, I'm zooming. Like in, I'm zooming in here, and where you come around and basically do a loop and head south. But I'm looking over at the land, and on the roads, there's all these cars parked along the road. So that must be some sort of a, a tourist spot right there. It looks like because there's all these cars parked along the road, both sides of the road. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's the. Uh, I'm not sure exactly where you're zooming. I mean, but they're they're it, Italy is a, definitely a car culture country. They love they love their cars. If you don't have one, which we sailors don't usually bring one along, uh, sometimes, yeah, sometimes hard to get around. They don't really have buses or taxis too much either in a lot of places. Yeah, I'm, I'm zooming in on this, and it looks like it's a dead end road. So it's a it looks like it's a park as much as anything. So mm-hmm. yeah, Spagato Reserva Naturale. So a natural park, it looks like. And then there's an anchorage down here. I see some boats on. But you didn't go down there. You went zipped right on by it and continued south. And it looks like you're you're poking in and out of little anchorages, but you're just doing the day sail down here, it looks like. Yeah, day sailing down. I think we dropped anchor for a bit. We saw a cliff. That's something we kind of do if uh, conditions are right, if we're sailing along or motoring along and it's calm. We'll sometimes look for cliffs to jump off of. So I think we found a good sort of 25-foot rock to, to climb and jump off of. So we put the anchor down just for a bit to do that. So, yep. And then continued down, ended up in the cutest little uh, town, this Castellamare, I think is what it's called. Beautiful little place, mountain backdrop, gorgeous harbor, tons of life. Yeah, Castellamare del Golfo. Okay, I'm zooming down far. Is this the harbor, the big harbor then? Uh, yeah, there we go. There we go. Big big marina, it looks like. Big marina you're at then. Big, yep. A, a decent-sized town, it looks like. And uh, Yeah, super fun. And, and, and this is Wahia. You walk off that pontoon, you're, you're in the middle of stuff. So, you know, as I've said before, that's, that's how I think it should be. I think the you know, pleasure boat should be, you know, front and center. So <laughs> Yeah, they yeah, should pay so to see our boats. That's right. That too. <laughs> so, so, so cute little place. And, and, and here's the amazing part about traveling like this. You know, you, um, you end up in places you might not have ever heard of, but because you're sailing, you, you kind of pick places that are a convenient distance from the previous place. Mm-hmm. So this is probably a 25 mile sail from the previous stop. And, and that made for a perfect place to spend a night and prepare for the next day sail. But you end up like just discovering so many cool places that, that just aren't on any other tourist radar. So, and and especially Sicily, Italy. It's been, I mean, these places are endlessly fantastic. So nice. 
Yeah, and you know, Sicily, I mean, the eastern part, Terramina, Catania get a lot of tourism, but I don't think they do on this end, this part, at least not from uh, Americans. So Right, yeah, I mean, Terramina is pretty famous now and has been. Um, yeah, but right, uh, I mean, Palermo is kind of, you kind of have the east side of Catania, the west side is Palermo, Palermo being the capital, of course. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, it's not, not a lot of them. You don't see too many Americans or other, you know, non-Italian tourists. Well, for sure not American tourists. We we don't find our way to these nooks and crannies that that often. So, Andrew, I know we've got another an, another hour probably to catch up on, but I've got to call back a client, and I need to uh, cut it off here. Let's try to finish up the last part of this, and we are going to be Cast- – how do you mm-hmm. say that? Castellamari del Golfo. So let's start there next time when we come back. And uh, continue on next week, okay? Yeah, no, sounds very good. All right, right, thanks, thanks. Talk to you later. Take care. Oh, and send me a link where people can download this track because this track is invaluable when following uh, following our conversation. Yeah, good, good point. Yeah, I'll put this as a a downloadable link. Yeah, okay. uh, Follow. Great. Thanks a lot. Awesome. Talk to you later. Yeah. Bye. The website for Sailing in the Mediterranean and Beyond is www.medsailor.com. Again, medsailor.com. Life is short. In the end, all that really matters is the memories you make. So make a few. Go sailing. Joel, you want to know something? What? Every now and then, say what the f***. What the f*** gives you freedom? Freedom brings opportunity. Opportunity makes your future. If you can't say it, you can't do it.